That's pretty good. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> yes. Well, lovely evening to you, Mr. Dennis. Well, hello. Hello from the, good to the see green you rich land of New Orleans, Louisiana. Are you down in the bayou? I am. It is great. You Tonight we're going to the... You Bayou? The uh, Crescent City Blues Festival. Shrimp and, uh, shrimp and, shrimp and some festival. So are there just Oof. constant blues and shrimp festivals down there yes, all the time? constant festivals. There's 70 festivals in Louisiana in October alone throughout the state. Does that not make them less special? No, not in any way, shape, or form. Okay. It just makes them frequent. Ah, well... It just makes them frequent. There's only so many weekends in a month. There's only so many weekends in your life. True. And at any given time, within a driving distance, you may have two or three choices. Right. But the stuff that is there, the food, the dance, the, the music, is of such a incredibly enjoyable quality and character that for that, that's what, who that's, comes to that's the why you're there. enjoy him. It's what, one of the reasons I'm here, sure. But, but indeed. So... Um, and uh, the headline act tonight is Tab Benoit. Frequent guest on the program. Yeah. At least mentioned. Mentioned and played, I believe. We should link to a couple things. Yes. But we discussed, I think you might have posted the pictures, right? They are you Yes, will. yes. But uh, the, the one that you put together for me, the two pieces. Yes, I put the... That one was printed and framed, signed, and is now packaged to be delivered to Corey tonight to give to his mother when he gets back to home. Wait. The the four-minute Photoshop job that I did, you printed out and framed and are giving to someone? Yes. Well, shit, I would have worked harder on it if I knew that was going to happen. You can always go back. Except there I can't. There was no time. Yes, well. There was no time. Well, uh, great. And I will tell you this, that it looks fantastic. Okay, well. Anybody, I've showed it to two people, and they said, holy shit. Wow, two out of two. Two. Hey, that's, that's, for us, that's, that's, that's a lot of people. That's, that's quite as many people who listen to the show. That's like so, all of our listeners. Two out of oh, two. Well, for two weeks. Wow. All our listeners over two weeks. Yes, of course. Yeah. Right. So. Well. Uh, that. That's a happy thing. We went to the haunted house last night in New Orleans, the haunted mortuary. Were you were you scared? At a, I've got the shit scared out of me. Absolutely. Did did you scare Absolutely. some of the? I don't corpses? scare easily. Did I scare some of the? I scared some of the people we were with. Right. I will tell you that story. Okay. But in fact, I scared a couple people trying to get in because this huge building that you can link to is an actual mortuary in a turn of the century Gothic style with high columns and some Victorian trim and right next to this huge cemetery. Mm -hmm. Perfect setting for this haunted mortuary. But when you queue up and you line up, every five to seven people stops in front of a door, gated off with a rope, and then there's a big digital clock on the wall that counts down from three minutes because that's how much every group gets ahead of every group. Right. So when they get to 10, 9, 1, 10, 9, when they, they, they launch it, and then you're greeted at the door by your first ghoul. Mm -hmm. But when I went to the door with my group, I started whimpering about not wanting to go in. I won't. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. As an act. And by of the time I got to the door, huh? 
Was this as an act to just mess with your friends? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, but no, who would know that? Right. And it was very realistic. I mean, I was, I, I, I was, I was, <laughs> I don't want to do this. I, I mean, I'm, this is freaking me out. I don't want to do this. And as I got closer to the door, there might be dead people in there. Door, but I had had a little interaction with and yelled to her. I said, we want to count down from three minutes. <laughs> and she said, it's a 10 count. But if you want to. Uh-huh. And I said, can I count a different number than what's on the wall? <laughs> she said, no, you can't do that. And then she was, she made an announcement. You're one of those people. And we need to all do it together. But at any rate, so as we got, got close to the door, I started getting louder and yelling kind of to her. Mm-hmm. Loud enough for people in line to hear. I don't want to do it. I don't want it. And she started yelling at me. It's too late. <laughs> You've got to go in. Nice. And, and laugh. She, she yes handed you. Nice. Yeah. So we get in. And I don't want to give it away because people need to go. But to say the least, it was set up with all sorts of pretty cool technical stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also uh, actors who very well-trained and very athletic in various characters literally uh, uh, posted in corners of rooms or on the floor in a heap or built into the wall. And so at any given moment, something would jump out at you that you kind of thought would. Right. But then when you got closer, you said, well, no, that's that's fake. So right. I was I had to be the lead. I didn't want to. I said, well, I, I started out. I'm like, all right. So I went first and blah, blah, blah. Then the first time this guy scared the shit out of me by jumping out and yeah. yelling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I stumbled, I mean, as you would in the dark uh-huh. with this freaky stuff. But eventually I didn't want to be the lead because I didn't want to go into the areas because right. I knew Right. Something was going to jump out at me. So at one point, this funny guy—I will tell you this because this is, this has got a good little punchline to it. We come around a corner, and every corner would be a different kind of view of a different room. Corpses are set up this or that or the other, and in this room, it's just people hanging from the ceiling on nooses, and a lot of severed heads of animals and people mounted on the walls, and some cut-off, very realistic pig's heads hanging from the ceiling in the middle of the room and as soon as i get to the point where i really wasn't yet expecting anything this crazy man jumps out from behind it all wiry hair and starts to laugh like a maniac and welcome me to his room and he was weird then he disappeared and it was a startle and then he came back so at one point when i'm in the room i don't know that anybody can hear me because he's laughing and acting foolish and he leans down to me and he says i'm going to cut off your head and use it as a hat nice detail and I'm like, and then he goes back and he laughs kind of cutesy to everyone else. And I thought, I will leave here now. <laughs> okay, I have many questions. Uh, so these guys are all doing that and then going back to reset themselves every three minutes. Is that correct? And in, yes. And in fact, able to have a little less something less, you know, a 30 second act or pitch. Right. Right. For a group of five or seven who single file through, and so right. you you literally as a, as and I've been in I've been a ghoul in a haunted house, so I know the, the timing of things. But it is the general rule that you never go after the first person right. ever, right? Or maybe not even the second, because that's what you need to authenticate your potential for being a, a, a mannequin rather than a a person that's going to all but reach out and grab them by the face and scare the shit out of them. Authenticate your uh, potential to be a mannequin. That is. That's that's why people tune in to listen to this. How, how to authentic, authenticate your potential to be a mannequin? That sounds like 
such a self help book. Get a title so early. Well, hopefully we'll we'll, we'll better that, but still. Uh, so and then so I guess you've got your out is on. It doesn't get better. You've got your forty five seconds or whatever where you're interacting with the with people, and right. then you have to uh, sort of go back and reset, and maybe you take a drink of water or something. Uh, and you know, no, because you don't have anything like that with you. Straighten your mask. No, I'm talking about as they as oh, they go. them. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. They okay. they they have they have just, but a bit of moment. But they actually may reset through the group where this one dude. Which the other thing is, is you go by a room that's lit where they want you to see. Right. What is lit is a iron looking cage door in the basement of this place. That when you look into it, you see that it's a killing room. And there's bodies stacked up and and there's bones hanging and you see in the back of the wall what looks like yet another it's too big and crazy to be real kind of statue and and right. when you come and what this dude does is he literally bolts from the back of the room and slides on his knees on the slippery floor that he's produced for himself and all but comes under the rope that separates you where you're standing and in fact his lower torso from his knees to his waist do go under the rope. So he is literally at your feet in an instant. Wow. He wasn't. He's yelling and, and he's bit. He's yelling and he's screaming. And all you can do, even though you're kind of ready for this, in fact, maybe because you're kind of ready for this and your nerve endings are all tingly, when this happens, what you do is you go, oh, you're, you're scared and you're scared again and again. So, okay. So my next question is, do you find this enjoyable? The ex- so, as a way to get to the answer to that question, as you may know, I find an experience at about any level in every range something to be enjoyed, even if it makes you uncomfortable or, in this case, scared or whatever. Because, first of all, it is what it is, right? You put yourself in for these experiences. That's a, but second of all, that's it's a great- something that comes out of every experience that you do want to to own, that you do want to have. So, yes. So your argument is, sure, I'm up for anything as long as it makes me feel something? Like? Yeah, pretty close to that. So I'm not one to go to a movie that has a jarring and difficult, mind-bending ending that you think about for days and are kind of uncomfortable with. I'm not one to say, I wish I hadn't gone see it. I'm one that says, wow, okay, what a movie. All right, we're on the same page there then, yes. Right, right. So you go to a haunted house, it's like, well, do you, do you like to go, do you like to be scared? Well, first of all, how scared did I think I was going to be? I didn't think I was going to be as scared as I got. I knew I'd be jarred and whatnot, but I got to a certain point in this journey where I was one time when somebody jumped out, I faltered back and pushed the whole crowd back, and we all kind of fell into the wall <laughs> that's built, you know, for your corridor. Right. And at one point, I got to this dark ending and reached and couldn't see because it was dark and I had lights and I turned to the crowd and I said this is a dead end and there was my wife there's her sister then there was a, a group of people and a young person was there and said what do you mean it can't be wrong this is the way that we're supposed to come and I said well then we're supposed to come to a dead end because there's no way out Ooh. and she said something she said, is well, dead in the mortuary it might be the you've end. gotta you've gotta you've gotta figure it out and I said, no, and I'm not going to figure it out. I'm done going first. I don't know what's what's going on here, but this mm-hmm. I'm going to jump out of me, and I don't <laughs> want to do it. And she said, well, I'm not going first. 
And and as my wife said, you know, I'm in. And, and everyone's like, no, we're not going first. And I, I, I reached in, and the, one of the walls was soft. Oh, God. And and I said, this wall is soft. It's like a big balloon. And this woman says, you got to go through that. you got to go in there. That's how you get out of there. And I said, yeah, I ain't going first. You're doing it. I ain't doing it. I ain't going in first with this thing surrounding me. And she said, you got to do it. You're holding everybody up now, and we're not going to do it. I'm like, all right. So I go in there. <laughs> And I go in and it's just suffocating, not suffocating, but right. there's no room. You're ballooned in and you're just in between. And, and, and I, so I got ahead of him and then I went all quiet and stopped. <laughs> and then I yelled, then I yell out, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, it's got me, oh, it's got me. <laughs> and these people are like, oh, God, screaming, ah, ah, and then I stopped. Nice. Yeah. And so I did, I did that. I did that one more time before I got out of there. And it was, in fact. It was scary. It was scary. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about those. I've never really been to a proper haunted house. Uh, well, good, good point. But and we have yes. But I do, uh, I do have a regular walk that I go on, and I know that there's one point in the walk where there's this really huge dog that is going to come and slam itself against the fence and just scare the shit out of me. Uh, not so much scare, but. Like because I, I I know it's there, but I uh, because we have no control over our our body's uh, response to these things, and my hair all stands on end, and I I get sort of this rush because you get that rush of adrenaline of fight or flight sort of uh, sort of thing, so I can see how the haunted house genre is sort of a uh, tickles those neurons. And people. Well, and and much to your point, the fact of knowing that something is there to scare you and something is there that will scare you. I said earlier, put your nerves on end. But right. what in fact it does is to start to release the various chemicals that your brain needs for the for the uh, flight, you know, fight or flee response. Right. And in this case, since fighting is impossible. You're not allowed to touch the actors, of course. When I was an actor, I was punched in the stomach by a woman <laughs> and doubled over. And I remember saying to her, what the fuck, lady? <laughs> Jesus, I'm just an actor. She's like, sorry, sorry. I said, well, God. I mean, boom, right in the gut. Yeah, well, that's... Uh... Dracula doubles over, right? I mean, it's like, whoa. But because you can't, because you can neither fight nor flee in a haunted house, right? if the degree of haunt as experienced in the first few minutes, the first two bits, if it's of a high enough velocity, then you're going to be on a heightened alert. Mm -hmm. And what, what helps, what helps to generate the highest degree of chemical in the, uh, you know, in the customer's uh, body, mm -hmm. right. Is to add to the mix, not just scary and startling, but kind of crazy, like like you want people to not only be scared, but you want them to look at what they're looking at. And you want them to say, oh, my God, what am I looking at? What? Yeah. What? You, you want to you want them to what? doubt doubt reality and right. even more. Right. So hmm. a point a point is that one of my sons and his friend were in the haunted house that we um, helped manage in um, Jackson, Michigan. Mm hmm. And their bit, which I hardly knew about as they built it, and every actor or two actors 
you created your bit, and that's what rehearsal was. You had to get your, you would pitch your bit to the crowd, you know, and then they'd say, yeah, yeah, that's cool, you do that, and then you'd find your room in your area, in this case, the theater, so you have enormous breadth and depth of, of where the customers go and how what much, kinds of... How much rehearsal is there? If you uh, you're just going to jump, jump out and say, ah! No, that's not that. It's more the preparation of the site. The costume. you got to get yeah. your bit ready, your costuming in the and, room. And the, the lighting, because... Everything, yeah. everything. And you're responsible to make it work, and you've got technical people who will help, and there's a budget, and et cetera, et cetera. But basically, every gig has a little bit of a budget to be able to get stuff done. So their bit was they took a room that was low ceiling and they painted the floors and one of the walls of the black and white checkerboard so that it looked as you have seen in pictures like different sizes and different edges of the room because right. it distorted your your, your, your illusion yep and one man was in the room dressed in a crazy off-color men's suit and a business suit and instead of human arms coming out of the jacket, there were the legs and the hooves of deer. And so the man was a deer-hooved man. Mm -hmm. And the other man was a wild man who looked crazy and was crazy and had a small, heavy sledgehammer that he was using to chase the deer man so he could break and smash the deer man's arms with the sledgehammer. Wow. And it was all done in lights off and on. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, strobe light. Strobe lights off and on. And not only was it frightening in its loudness, and it's mostly it was you're looking in the room and you're saying, "What's going on here? What? What yeah. am I looking at? What is? What is this?" Uh huh. And then this the bit required the sledgehammer, of course, at one point to break off the the arm, the hooves, mm -hmm. right? At least one of them. And so in between the customers groupings you would slide up another deer hoop what i did was i went to the butcher shop during deer season which this was and got for free as one does he said what do you want these for and i said just i need them <laughs> why do you need, <laughs> why do you need 12 deer legs <laughs> fully fully still with their skin on and their hooves on and their bones are showing why do you want them and you know they're they're three for long yeah yeah you know <laughs> so very creative and crazy and was that character called John Deere? <laughs> no, but that's how we got there. To via, stay in character. Via, via a small on tractor. Right. To the site. One year, this site during rehearsal, we went to the extent where you got to mix up tons of fake blood. You know, you need a lot of it. I mean, so that's I it. do that every Sunday. Well, I imagine <laughs> you would. But the fake blood is so realistic that, um, it, as it would need to be, so when you're prepping the 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 building, you're actually prepping the whole block because you understand that your hundreds of patrons are going to be coming from four different directions, depending on where they park or where they walk from that to is, get there. That so, is such good business acumen. Yeah. When you're prepping the building, you're really prepping the whole block. Yeah. This is the sort of insights that people come to our podcast for. <laughs> this is Boring your... Up, <laughs> this is some more self-help uh, <laughs> stuff. Self-help on don't, home don't prep the build. Don't prep the building. The building. So as we... As we were rehearsing one year, one of the gigs, one of the bits, required a running of uh, murderer and murderess, or murdery, I should say, from the front of the building to the back of the building, so that when people were in line, they'd be sufficiently entertained and startled to, to make the wait in line, which could be 45 minutes to an hour, 
in and of itself something to to, to, to consider and right. talk about and participate in. Sure. You, you, you've got to make the people happy. And so the newspapers, some reporter was doing some story, wasn't I don't it was early on in the in the development process. He found blood all over the back of this building and reported it. And there was actually a newspaper article that said that the police are are investigating a, a scene of a reported assault mm-hmm. as evidence. And it was about our fake blood, which was free media. And we went crazy with it. And then they had to publish a story that said it's actually the haunted house and this and that. I mean, you know, what great publicity. So that year I was a, nice. a, a, a Dracula, a vampire, I should say. And uh, and had full costume, full cape, full makeup, bags of blood, teeth, makeup, everything. Teeth, yep. And as you approach the theater, I stood above the big sign that had Haunted House on it, where it had three second-story windows mm-hmm. behind it. So I literally opened up a window on the second floor and climbed out on an ironworks, okay. which was this big sign attached to the building by, you know, four-inch you know, three inch uh, wide rods of steel. Yes. You know, that held everything together. So I would find a comfortable spot where my feet were comfortable and I was near the edge and I had bags of blood in my pocket and in both hands, one hand out, one hand, in a very comfortable way, place where, for example, a cross wire holding up, helping holding up the big sign I was standing on would be a cable. Right. So I'd situate myself next to the cable so not only were my feet firm, but I could lean mm-hmm. against the cable and be comfortable because right. what I was going to do for as long as I could stand it was be perfectly still. Right. So the line of people now nearing the theater where there were lights. Wasn't sure if you were real or not. No, they were quite certain I was a mannequin. Right. There wasn't any doubt about it. I was, I was a mannequin, but you heard the chatter. And when the chatter approached, I'm looking right at the, the line. Right. Perfectly. Right? I don't have a mask on. And and when you hear then a giggling, frightening couple of maybe three or four girls generally, 12 to 14 to 15 years old, a little gaggle. A gaggle of teen girls, yes. Oh, look. Is that real? Is that real? Oh, God. And now I know that I have my first group of victims that I'm going to play with. And so as they come closer, they continue, but now they can see me that I'm looking at them and they can see that my eyes are moving and they're (laughs) starting to freak out. Yeah. And then when they get right under me, I break open a bag of blood and it drips out of my hand through the sign all over the floor in a drip, drip, blob, blob of blood right in front of them. And that's when they freak out and scream and run away. And one year they ran, they went home, they never came back. Their parents called and complained, and it made it in the newspaper. I was going to say that's a- <laughs> because we literally scared them out of line. Right. Because as soon as that happened, and they screamed because of the blood, I was out of there. I had a rope set. I was down the rope, and I was chasing them, <laughs> and they were screaming. And my daughter. My daughter was in the line as a child, a customer, right. unbeknownst to anyone, and I grabbed her, and she screamed, and I had another bag of blood in my hand, and as I reached over and bit her neck, I popped the blood, and the blood went all over her hand, all over my face, Jesus. all over her little neck, and she sat there as I ran away. And by that time, the line of people 
were crazy. They were <laughs> screaming. They were dispersed. They were like, oh, my God. And they wow. hadn't even gotten in yet. They hadn't even gotten into the building yet. Yeah. I'm not sure how healthy this behavior is for society. For who? <laughs> for? I had to train my eight-year-old to become a, vamp- a little vampire. Later, well, uh, her bit. But, she, but she, you, she, it sounded like you didn't know she was there. You just saw the opportunity and improvised. No, 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 no. It was, all, it was a bit. It, it, was, it was all, she was a plant. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, okay, okay. Was, it was a bit. We did it every night. Okay, okay. My, every night. And then, and then she would go change into her cute little child vampire outfit, tuxedo, cape, hat, teeth, sure. white face. Right. And when I crawled from, when I ran and came back and scared people, I went into the lobby and crawled into my coffin and laid down still again like a mannequin for my next bit. When the people who I scared once were all gone, right. the next 12, 15 people. But part of that bit happened where there was enough time for little my little daughter to go back to makeup and get all changed and dressed. And then the bit included and was her coming into the casket right. with me and for people that knew that I had bit her neck. Mm. Killed her on the outside. Right. Made her into vampire. Made sense. Right. So I was traveling. Uh, I was. I had bits all over the theater. I would run from one bit to the other, and, and had different actors that were in my entourage, in my whatever, whatever we needed. It was great fun. It, and it, and so the rehearsals are all about timing. How long does it take to get there? And is it too much? I mean, right. There's a limit. And plus, in the coffin, you get to rest a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, in fact, it's what it's in, for. In, in peace. Some people apparently rest there a lot longer than others. Yeah. Well, indeed. So I, I have a logistics question about this. Surely there must be people that, because with the picture that you painted, every three minutes, you're letting in five to seven people. They go through like... Uh, you know, like food through your esophagus, where they, they by the time that they're gone, uh, the room is is reset for the next people. Uh, and are there? Do you ever run into situations where, like, you ran into that dead end, where people are just like, nope, not doing this, not going any further, not doing this, and then you get sort of this traffic jam where the next group is yes, wants to come in. Certainly. Well, you're 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 fully staffed, so you have staff who are not in costume. There are there 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 are, there are, there are ushers that can say, uh, okay, ma'am, we'll take you out to Less the nearest exit. Less of an exit. usher and more of a, a more of a behind the curtain. You got tech people got to make sure the lights work and make sure the cords are out of the way. And when a bit requires this or that or the other, or, or let's say that you're using a liquid of some kind, you know, which is going to be you know it could be blood or water. It's got to be replenished. Somebody's got to deliver that to you. Indeed. And so you have places where you know after night one that you've got a t- tight spot. And so you literally put an usher there leaning into the wall in a dark corner right. and then with a little pencil light, pen light. And then if the crowd starts to slow, he turns a pen light on without any to scare anybody, although it does. And he just says, move along, you know, or watch your step. Or and if there's staircase, you may have to have right. an usher, okay. uh, you know, there. But this is this is what the rehearsals are for. And you have you have a. Uh, meetings after the night 
after you clean up and tear down. And you know, you and you talk about what that. went well and what went poorly, and how can we fix it for tomorrow? Right. And this is what I need, and, and, and this and that, and and I ran out of this, and it's too much, and whatever. And you replenish, and you go from there. But you also get an idea of the numbers, which you know. But we were so, uh, and I was part of a large collaboration. I didn't have a, a particular leadership role except to be one of the adults with kids there who took on a good bit of responsibility for my troop, mm-hmm. you know, my set of things that I did and made sure that I used people. And if I saw that there were uh, actors of any age who didn't have any guidance in terms of where they might go or not go, I might bring them into my troop or suggest, you know, and I would help with that as any adult would in a situation where there's a mixed number of people. But in a large troop like this, it's quite an exhausting deal. But we were raising money for the renovation of the theater, mm-hmm. which uh, the interesting thing is the theater, because of this and other fundraisers, became less in need of renovation and much improved. What we could do and not do in the place diminished, right? Right. Because you can't make a terrible mess in a, in a place. I mean, when you go to the second story and you're doing a bit behind a curtain on a carpeted area, that is a, a wreck, right? You can do all sorts of stuff, but when that's replaced a new, yeah, yeah, and replaced a new doesn't work very well either for for a haunted concept. Um, but we did it for several years and uh, yeah, had fond, fond, fond memories. Yeah, really, you want a more uh, dilapidated venue and- or reconstructed, which this place was in in New Orleans, as you would expect for a twenty five dollar a head. Right. And you've got uh, let's say you've got six people. You've got one hundred and fifty dollars every three minutes and you run it from eight o'clock until eleven o'clock. So let's do the math. You got 20 groups of three. That's 20 times one hundred and fifty. That's thirty thousand dollars. Right. Every hour. Uh, times 20, three hours. It's ninety thousand dollars a night. 20 times one hundred and fifty is three thousand. So it's 9,000 9, so 9, a night, which is, uh, it's more than I make. Not enough. It's not enough. It's more, it's, it's not enough. And, and it's more than and, we're making per episode here. So <laughs> patreon.com slash happy hour. This place, actually, this costs us money. Cause I know that somebody has got to buy the beer. I yeah, mean, exactly. Right? Yes. Speaking of which, speaking of which reasons I love the whole hour. I'm going to guess Amber. (laughs) Greetings, podcast listeners. I'd like to break the fourth wall for a moment and talk directly to you. Dennis and I have a lot of fun making this show, but podcasting takes equipment, time, and energy. If we're going to sustain this show for the long term, we need some help from you. Think about it like this. We're giving you roughly four hours of content every month. How much is four hours of entertainment worth to you? Think about other things that you pay for to be entertained for four hours, like two movies, or a round of golf, or a weekly yoga class, or maybe a concert. That's the level of support we'd like from you. If you find our discussions entertaining, we'd really appreciate any support you can afford to give. Please, if you can't afford to give money, don't. But if you can, to donate, go to happyhour.fm and click on the red Become a Patron button at the top and then choose a tier that you'd like to support us at. Thank you very, very much. Now, back to the nonsense. A beat amber. All I drink when I'm in Louisiana. I did check out that website after after our last episode, and uh, 
I'm I'm always kind of amazed when I go to uh, websites for alcoholic products, and and they say, mm, "Please prove to us that you're 21." It's like, and that, what do you say? I'm 21. And they say, "Okay." I say, "No, I'm I'm 12. Take me to the kittens," and then they send me off to another webpage. Yeah. So that whole that whole legal bullshit has always sort of all you're doing is transferring liability. You're transferring liability to the user, right? From that's it. That's all you need to do. Exactly, and right, and that's sort it's of no longer my responsibility. It's yours. Right. The user, the user clicked that they were older. Yeah, so there I you did go. my job. Right. That's all I can do. Yeah, I was reminded of this the other day. I uh, I was in the bank and I had to get a thing signed by both me and my wife, and so I had to come back the next day after she had signed it, and it just occurred to me how totally ridiculous this whole concept of signatures as any sort of authority on anything is because it's like my none of my signatures are ever the same as the last one and it's just a, a scribble on a piece of paper what does that mean it's a it seems like so, much, so much bullshit you know what's it all about alfie can you rhyme it with john hancock <laughs> Hancock, I'd rather not. Okay. I'd rather not connect that to anything. Your your talk about having to reset and having liquids involved reminded me of a couple episodes ago, uh, episode 23, I think it was, where I mentioned that I had just learned that when... Uh, David Fincher, I think, the director, uh, does all of his gory kill scenes, like in the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies, uh, that all the blood is digital, like added on after the fact, so they don't have to do any cleanup uh-huh. between takes. They can just uh, uh, do that again, do that again, do that again, and we're going to add all the, splatter, uh, all the splatter later. And, uh, 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 yeah. So, now that I, now that I think about it... We, we must be very close to having virtual reality haunted houses. Well, and a good point. I will tell you this about the liquids. But consider that. Tell me about the liquids. The liquid, right? There is a certain uh, uh, health. There are health issues involved in a haunted house. Imagine this, the the deer hoof yeah. story, where you've got splintered bones, and you know, should 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 the hammer have glasses on, which we had to add because there were splinters. Uh huh. Right. Um, but if you're in a if you're doing like if you're doing the, uh, the the what I would say is fairly typical expectation of a gory operating room or death room where there's an active operation going on. Uh-huh. When you set up a table, uh, operating room table that's rigged for this, where there's a hole in the top of it so that your chest and your arms and your head and your torso are above the table. Yeah. And the view is below the table. That from the other end of the table, you cut in places where your legs come back out. So okay. the only thing that's underneath the table is from your belly button to your middle of your thigh. But on the table, then mm-hmm. there is a fake rest of your body that would appear to connect your real torso with your real legs. Spoiler alert! Fake body, which 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 is a base. It's a basin. It's an aluminum bowl that you would make a huge. Uh, salad in to serve 30 people uh-huh. but that is hidden 
underneath the fake body and the gourd, but in that bowl are uh, chicken guts, real chicken guts that you get fresh every day, and you're dealing then with chicken guts. And so when somebody that's comes got by, some, that's got some uh, bacterial issues. Yep. Yes. So you have to be diligent and know, and a certain adult is that every two bits or three bits, you got to package that stuff and get it out of there and get fresh stuff in. Now, we, we, there was a problem we had with the, the, the city health code at some point because of this kind of thing. And in fact, that ended the use of, of, of entrails. But you can imagine <laughs> that the use of entrails as your signature of realism because what you're wanting from your patron is to look inside this caged room and say out loud, oh, my God, that looks that's real. real. Right. That's real. Oh, and, 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 and I must say, the badge of honor. <clears throat> hey, man, I had a puker. High fives everywhere. Nice. You know. So <clears throat> this this. On the one hand, I a glimpse into a world you never knew existed. On, on the one hand, I see the, uh, I see the emotional tickling that's going on here, where it can be pleasant to be surprised in a safe way, because as as I think I've mentioned before, the whole. One of the whole base premises of, of, of comedy, of like slapstick, is where you see someone fall down, but then they're okay. So you have that sort of shock, and then when they're okay, you can laugh about it. Unless you're British. And in fact, if you're British, if, if you're British, you think it's funnier when they're not okay. And this is a piece of research you can Google. But the British humor is nearly singular in that idea that you espoused, is, which is not necessarily simply American. No, no, no. It's, I, I, it's I was claiming it was universal. No, it's not. It's not true in Britain. Okay, well. They think it's funnier when you're actually hurt. Well, that's why they are having Brexit right now, so. <laughs> because they are a mean people. <laughs> so fuck them. And they deserve <laughs> Boris Johnson. Yes. The ill, the ill-named, yet somehow appropriate lamed. <laughs> I found this article today that, man, I don't want to read a whole article on the episode, but it's just so, so good. I'll read a little bit of it. It's from a British writer. The title is British Writer Pens, the Best Description of Trump I've Ever Read. Yes, uh, we've, we've actually touched on it in a podcast. Mm, yes, this was this was uh, written in March. Four ago. Yeah, so, uh, but some of his turn, repeat. Some of his turns right. of phrases are so nice. Uh so somebody asked, uh, why do some British people not like Donald Trump? And this this writer from England uh, named Nate White uh, wrote the following response. Well, a few things come to mind. Trump lacks certain qualities which the British traditionally esteem. For instance, he has no class, no charm, no coolness, no credibility, no compassion, no wit, no warmth, no wisdom, no subtlety, no sensitivity, no self-awareness, no humility, no honor, and no grace. All qualities, funnily enough, with which his predecessor, Mr. Obama, was generously blessed. So, for us, the stark contrast does rather throw Trump's limitations into embarrassingly sharp relief. 
Plus, he, that was the first paragraph. And he says, plus, we like to laugh. And while Trump may be laughable, he's never once said anything wry, witty, or even faintly amusing. Not once, ever. I don't say that rhetorically. I mean, quite literally. Not once, not ever. And the fact that the fact is particularly disturbing to the British sensibility. For us, lack of humor is almost in, inhuman. But with Trump, it's it's a fact. He doesn't even seem to understand what a joke is. His idea of a joke is a crass comment, an illiterate insult, or a casual act of cruelty. Trump is a troll, and like all trolls, he's never funny, and he never laughs, and he only cr- crows or jeers. Anyway, he goes on. Uh, it'll oh, be word. And I so good. Why, I remember now why I loved it. And, and I think it was posted, and, and I did, in fact, actually, I think you shared it with me online while we were here, and I was reading it along with you. But I don't think yeah, so. I, I don't have that memory. And, but then I don't remember the, a lot of our podcasts. So, well, I, I'm surprised that I do. I don't. I don't. I don't remember <laughs> whether I took a shower or not earlier today, <clears throat> let alone these Wait, kinds of details. But, he's, he's but he's, this, he, appears, he appears to be in just a wee bit of trouble right now with the uh, with the Ukraine thing. Whereas Chief of Staff, there's a clip of Donald Trump saying on seven occasions the clip which you put in the notes says no quid pro quo no quid pro yes, quo yes yes no yes no quid pro quo and then you have his chief of staff Mulvaney or I think his name is Mulvaney he says he has a press conference and he says uh yeah there was and I'm the one who managed it and it's okay and by the way are you crazy yes. not to think so and right. it's like He's clearing his throat. <laughs> he's he, he's so nervous that I, as he comes across on the radio, he sounds like the guiltiest, most embarrassed person ever on the face of the earth. And he says, "Well, I I I I just I just I just can't believe you think that's against the law. It's incredulous." No. And by that time, his voice is high, and you can just picture his little hairless balls tied in a very tight. Grinding, pushing, pulling, tighter vice. Yep. As he say, it's hey, it's it's incredulous for you to think so. Oh my God! Well, and and so much, so much of what Trump has gotten away with so far, he's gotten away with it because he does it in public. He's like, yeah, I did that. So, whereas, whereas if if any other president had done it and tried to cover it up, as in like showing that they knew that it was wrong. Then they would have been in deep, yeah, deep, deep yeah, trouble. Yeah, but, but yeah, he's yeah, just like China. we need to get China to do the same investigations. Yeah, yeah. So, huh. but, but he just does just it all that out. again. Yeah, it's like yeah, I took that lady's purse and. <laughs> like, yeah. So, oh, what do you mean? So I'll pardon myself. I'll pardon you. I, I listen. I hereby declare that everybody can go on the streets and take someone who doesn't support me and beat the shit out of them, and I will pardon you. I will pardon you. In fact, I'll put a uniform on you, and I'll let you join the Outer Space Air Force as a ground control person. Space Force. Put you on a, put you, put you in a uniform. Let mm. you carry a let you carry a taser. And you just have to ask people you meet in the street one of you know thirteen questions or a question of your choice that proves or disproves loyalty to me. And if you don't like their answer, you tase them, <laughs> and you leave the taser in them, and then it grows infected, and maybe they'll die. I don't care. After all, I'm the guy who said as a joke in front of Putin, Putin doesn't have a problem with journalists. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's that's his pun. It's hilarious. That's what our writer here, yeah. Mr. White, is talking about as, as clever as he gets. Because, like, 
I think we've discussed this before, he but that's funny. Trump has never laughed. He's never had a genuine laugh. Not on camera that I've that I've ever seen. It's just You he, know what you know what footage I love to see of him? And you've seen this again and again, so maybe you'll post it, is that at the roaster, the the press corps, when Obama was roasting him, yeah. and the best writers, in, including Jimmy Fallon was involved in this, and the cutting stuff that he was saying about Trump. And the cut from the camera to Trump and his perfectly coiffed uh, uh, silhouette, not silhouette, but side view of his hair and his head. And as you'll see in many much commentary throughout the, 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 the literature is the degree to which so many writers have suggested that what Obama did was guarantee that Donald Trump would run for president. That was the moment that. Yeah. The Rubicon was crossed. I've heard a lot of that. It's hard to really know, but... Uh... I, I think it's easy to know because I think we're dealing with a caricature of a human being who is as transparent as a piece of fucking cellophane. It has remarkably useless mm-hmm. as a piece of cellophane that's been wrapped into a ball and then tried to be unwrapped. Yes. He is a waste of space. He is a waste of human material. His mass is a negative score on the universe. Except that he's a fat. But yes. You see the pictures of him nude or near nude? No. In the, in, oh, yes, you have. I don't go to I that corner of the internet, Dennis. I see them posted on the wall behind you. <laughs> Whatever. You can fool people. But at any rate, the, the one that is famous is, is a, 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 a Photoshop. Photoshop picture of him in a thong walking toward the ocean. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to Google that. That will not be in the show notes. Yeah, we don't at, need that image. At happyhour.fm slash 029. So I, I want to throw in a couple more paragraphs of this, of this article because it's just so eloquently British shaming. Uh, it says, uh, my... He mentions a bunch of stuff, and then he says, this last point is especially is what especially confuses and dismays British people, and many other people too. His faults seem pretty bloody hard to miss. After all, it's impossible to read a single tweet or hear him speak a sentence or two without staring deep into the abyss. He turns artless into an art form. He's the Picasso of pettiness, the Shakespeare of shit. His faults are fractal. Even his flaws have flaws, and so on ad infinitum. God knows there have always been stupid people in the world and plenty of nasty people too, but rarely has stupidity been so nasty or nastiness so stupid. (laughs) He makes Nixon look trustworthy and George W. looks smart. In fact, if Frankenstein decided to make a monster assembled entirely from human flaws, he would make Trump. What? He would make Trump. He would just, he would just make Trump. And as a remorseful Dr. Frankenstein would clutch out big clumpfuls of hair and scream in anguish, my God, what have I created? (laughs) If if being a if being a twat was a TV show, Trump would be the box set. <laughs> the British the British are so scathing. Oh God, yes. Well, you'll have to you have to polish that up and read it with a British accent because when when you consider it with a British accent, it's, it's even quite a bit funnier. Yes, of course it <laughs> so, is. Although it's funny, funny enough is read in whatever uh, <laughs> whatever intonation, uh, but you can just imagine the. The Kurt British <laughs> clipped. If, if, being uh, a, if being a twat whatever. was a TV show, Trump would be the box set. 
<laughs> for Schwartz, it was a TV show. I also love the. I also love the the Picasso of pettiness and the Shakespeare of shit. The Shakespeare of shit. Yeah, we had a we had a bit of a of a, a little uh, fun uh, episode of uh, hilarity here, where we decided that one of our group uh, was uh, called forevermore the shit queen of Shitsville. <laughs> That's as a she began tough as nickname. she began making edicts and proclamations as to what we would do and where we would go and and she was clearly in charge because she considered herself as she in fact is. The Shit Queen of Shitsville. The Shit Queen of Shitsville. That's got some ring to it. Shitsville, Louisiana. Yes, we've all been there. It's or right. will soon it's, be. When you're on Shit Creek with, without a paddle, that's where you end up. Indeed. Ed Day. The bayou of Shitsville with the shit gators. <laughs> you're up to your shit knees in alligators. You forget to drain the swamp. Mm. I heard a clean joke the other day. It was uh, the head and shoulders shampoo people should put out a a body wash called Knees and Toes. Head, shoulder, knees and toes, knees and toes. Huh. For, this, uh, this tickled you, did it? For getting clean. I mean... This, this it, tickled you? Anything about showering this, just excites me. <laughs> tickles you. Well, you've got at least five more toes more than anybody I know. Counting the, the miracle of your protruding well, hibiscus like fucking ankle coming out of your forehead. I, if it weren't for that, if it, if you didn't look the way you did with all of that up there, I don't know that I would do the show. It just is, I can't take my eyes off the toes. It's great you can wiggle them. Yes, well, it's really tough though having to buy socks and threes. <laughs> because, well, every other day you'd have my, a new set. Every other day you'd have a new set. Because my head foot gets cold. Head foot. Well, and poor foot. You know, whenever you are wearing socks that don't match, you know you have a matching pair that you can wear the, the following day. That's right. That's like that's so right. true, that's, man. That's true. You're, you are reaching into the. And to the just the incredible heights of witticism. This is why. This is what. This, this is, is why this people is, listen to us. This is what our patrons pay for. <laughs> You've got to make good people happy. If you've enjoyed what you just heard, you can support us by telling a friend or sharing us on social media. Monthly donations to help us pay for hosting and editing can be provided at Patreon.com/slash/HappyHour. That's all one word: Happy Hour. All our episodes, including show notes for each episode, are available on our website, happyhour.fm. You can tweet at us at happyhour.fm, that's with a dot spelled out, happyhour.dotfm. Or we can receive email at the same name, happyhour.dotfm at gmail.com. It would also be great if you could give us a positive rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That really helps other people find us. See you next week.